It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hello, and welcome back to the Drop Step podcast. We're here for episode eight, and I'm incredibly excited to announce that we're hitting a drop step milestone. Graduated from a solo podcast to having guests on, and we're starting off with a bang. We've got Braddo, MBA. Uh, I'm just going to let him introduce himself, tell him about what he does. I'm sure you've seen him on Twitter, but Brad, tell the very small listenership about what you do and uh, we'll go from there man before i do that i gotta thank you jack for being the first guest on the drop step podcast it's an honor it's gonna be i wouldn't good have episode. anyone else yeah, it's <laughs> gonna be a good episode so I'm, I'm excited for the people to hear it but if you guys want to see what i do again um you see it uh, brado nba instagram twitter um i talk houston rockets basketball you can get your favorite stats lights um, any news related to the rockets any updates um, any uh, good agenda pushing, uh, nothing that's too biased, but good agenda pushing. Um, I got you. That's, that's where you can find my stuff, man. We recently, um, oh, I also do a podcast called The Brad Owen Will Show. Um, you can check out my co-host at Vice Houston. And we just had Alperin Shangun, the Houston Rockets Center on recently. We've had some of the uh, former Houston Rockets analysts like Kelly Eco on the show. You guys are familiar with Ryan Hollins, former basketball player, played for like 10 teams. He's the Rockets announcer right here. Uh, Rockets announcer right now. We've had him on the show. So a lot of fun guests. So we're hoping to get some more players soon, but uh, that's where y'all can find me. Brad on Will Show on um, on YouTube and just Brad NBA Instagram, Twitter. Yeah, yeah. We'll put all the links in the bio. Ryan Hollins getting up towards that Ish Smith levels, like 13, 14 teams. He's yeah seen the he's seen the country at this rate, man. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. So for today's episode, what we're gonna do is, I think there's been a lot of chat about Houston, and it's all been dominated by free agency you know the fred contract the dylan brooks contract a lot of money being thrown about you know this new cba we've got to hit the sort of cap floor spend 90 percent. i think in past seasons 
maybe Houston would have gone a little bit more conservative, but they've really splashed out and that's all anyone's really spoken about. So we wanted to talk about the young core. So what we're going to be doing is ranking the seven players born 2000 or before. You'll know them as we go through the episode and just how likely they are to sort of be the Rockets' best player in three, four, five years' time. Who have we got the most hope for star potential-wise? Have we got any boom or bust guys? Is anyone just a sort of guaranteed? I see them starting for a playoff team. But sort of without further ado, let's get into it. Brad, as you are our first guest, uh, I think it's only right that you kick us off. I think we'll go from seven to one, have a little bit of suspense. But who have you got as, this is by no means derogatory, Who's the least likely guy to be the star of the Rockets in the next few seasons? All right. When we're talking stars, the Rockets have seven guys in the young core. I like all seven of those players. I think they all have good upsides. But when it comes to being a superstar or a star, I like this player a lot. He's actually one of my favorite players on the Houston Rockets. Really good mm-hmm. defender. Uh, very scrappy. Um, can get any offensive rebound he wants. Uh, I'm going to go with Tari Eason at seven. I like Tari Eason's game a lot. Um, very... Very unorthodox size, 6'8", 7'2", wingspan, has one of the top 20 hand sizes in NBA history. If you watch him, people don't think about hand size. If you watch him, he's getting a lot of crazy boards just because of his hand size, a lot of crazy steals mm-hmm. because of his hand size, and he's locking up. But I think he has a lot of potential. I don't know if I see that star upside, but, man, his floor is insanely high. And I, I love Tari Eason. It's, it's no shame at all him being seven on this list. That's a, that's a great play. Tari ranked a bit higher. I've got Tari ranked quite a lot higher, actually. But yeah, I absolutely love his game. Um, I've been really impressed by how he sort of jumped into the league. There are a lot of worries about sort of how raw he was coming out of college. He was played a six-man role, sort of a high-impact, high-energy guy off the bench. But he sort of came into Houston last year and was able to assert that same dominance, be really destructive on the defensive end. And I know, Brad, that you said about offensive rebounds but he's also he's a steals guy he's a deflections guy it's just you know if you ever sort of turn up to a run and you're going to play if you saw Tari Eason I think you might turn around and go home because he just makes it hell for whoever he's playing against but yeah in terms of that star upside we're sort of talking about the offensive potential and what do you sort of see as his offensive role going forward in the next few seasons where do I see his offensive role Tari Eason's yeah, yeah, yeah. Next few seasons, like as he develops, what's what's your projection? So I, with Ime Udoka, the Rockets' new coach, he likes sports that can, you know, handle themselves in the pick and roll. And he wants everybody to kind of be involved. So I, I'm seeing and I'm projecting for him to have more looks as a, you know, not really a facilitator, but more looks coming off of pick and rolls. We kind of saw it in the summer week. He averaged four assists and you'll see four assists and think, oh, that's nothing. But four assists is pretty good for a small yeah. forward who wasn't really playmaking like that in college. So I'm excited to see that he's going to be shooting a lot more threes now, a lot higher volume than his rookie season. Um, he's going to be attacking the paint. Again, 6'8", 7'2", wingspan, can come in, has a lot of athleticism. Um, he mess around and dunk on you. So I'm, I'm looking for Tari Eason, be a spot-up three guy, operate a little bit more out of pick and rolls, um, and be a killer in transition. Um, that's, that's the kind of role that I'm seeing him. Uh, he's just going to create havoc on the floor, and he's going to get buckets for himself. One thing about Tari Eason, you do not need to call plays for him. He's going to score. He's going to find a way to get the basketball and he's going to be productive with it. So I think that's a kind yeah. of role. Not like everyone on this list. Some players need plays called for them and didn't necessarily have it last year. Debut seasons, not throwing shade at any former yeah. coaches. But yeah, absolutely. I think Tari's ceiling really comes to 
is he going to be able to take advantage of the advantages generated by pick and roll ball handlers? You know, Fred kicks it out to him. A player's sagging off in the paint. Is he going to be able to get all the way to the rim? How's that handle going to improve over the next couple of years with those catchers mitt hands? Is he going to be able to break a guy down? Um, I'm not too sure. I hope so. But we know that he's going to be really efficient on the offensive end because, like you said, he's generating his own looks. He's being destructive, getting his team out in transition. And I've actually been impressed at the shot. I know that there was concern pre-draft that it was a little bit of a slow release. It was sort of out in front of him. But I think he shot a really respectable percentage last year, 37, 38%. Yeah, so in his, his first year in college at Cincinnati, he shot around 24.7%, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he upped it at LSU to upwards of 35%. Very low volume still. So last year in the NBA, when he shot around 35%, that's not that's not a bad thing because he's improving from first year in college. And his mm-hmm. jumper looks good. It looked good in the summer league. And I know it's the summer league. But we'll see what happens come regular season time. But the jumper looks good in my opinion. Yeah, when you're a rebuilding team, there's nothing more exciting than summer league. Seeing these guys that have been playing 15, 20 minutes a game, suddenly the reins are taken off and they're just sort of let loose. And yeah, I thought that Tari was really impressive and you know, amongst a really impressive Houston Rockets young core. But I'm going to go on to my number seven guy. And I think you might disagree because you've said... You know, can you see the offensive upside with Tari? Not so sure. This is a guy where there's definitely offensive upside, but I'm just looking at the team situation. I'm looking at there being a lot of mouths to feed. And to me, I think Kevin Porter Jr. is the least likely player to be a star on this Houston Rockets team going forward. We've had two seasons in a row of him putting up really good offensive numbers. I think 19 points per game back to back. Last year was six and six on rebounds and assists as well. And 56% true shooting is nothing to sort of sniff at, especially when you considered that the Rockets were challenged spacing-wise last year. But I really like KPJ in terms of being able to break down a defender. He's comfortable in a pick and roll. He can shoot off the catch. He can shoot off the dribble. But when you've got Jalen Green, Fred Van Vliet, Amon Thompson, Cam Whitmore, all these guys that want to get looks. I mean, I don't know what the pecking order is going to look like next year. I'm worried that Dylan Brooks might come in and really assert himself. Let's hope not. But uh, KPJ, for me, I think he's more likely to slot into this complementary role where he could be a really high skill guy that his usage isn't necessarily as high. Much like we spoke about with Tari, he's taken advantage of closeouts. He's running secondary pick and rolls. He's running second units and being sort of this flamethrower guy off the bench in a sort of stereotypical six man role. But I had KPJ as my least likely star. That is by no means calling him trash. I think he's got a really good future in the NBA. Brad, where did you have KPJ? Was he was he coming up soon? Is he right towards the top of your list? I'll say this. Your reasoning, uh, I think you're spot on. Um, I kind of had a little different reasoning. Um, I, I, I may have messed up. You said stars on the Rockets. Mm-hmm. So I, in that sense, KPJ would ideally be seventh, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. I had him slightly higher just because I see him as a player um, who, and again, we, we watched him play on a Houston Rockets team with, with a lack of structure, lack of focus, no intense defense being played by anybody mm-hmm. on the field. So he had a lot of lapses on that end. But he's 6'6", 6'9", wingspan, if he locks in. And he, he can be a good defender. We'll have to see that next season with Ime Udoka. But once that defense comes in, they're starting to utilize him more as a, a guy who can shoot off the catch. Uh, he was first in the NBA in catch and shoot three-point percentage, and not this past season, but the year before that. Um, so again, he could break somebody down. He can facilitate a little bit, shoot. He's got some star upside. It may not happen mm-hmm. in Houston. If he leaves, I could see him becoming a star. I don't, I don't know how likely it is, but 
it's yeah. definitely there. So I had him slightly higher. I'll save the suspense when we get down my list. Okay. All right, cool. We'll get there. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, if it really hits offensively and he gets to this stage where he's sort of cutting the turnovers out and, you know, maybe the shooting off the dribble steps up a little bit, then absolutely there is that upside there. But um, I noticed right when Ime was appointed as head coach, KPJ was immediately teacher's pet. It was at all the press conferences. Everyone else was already in Cancun and this guy was in the front row of the reporters. So hopefully he really sort of invests and really sort of focuses this season. And like you said, if he can make a push on the defensive end of the floor, absolutely. This is a high-end starter in this team. But like we said, mouths to feed. So you had Tari at seven. I had KPJ. Who's your guy at six? I think this guy has a ton of upside, but he's coming in, as you said, a lot of mouths to feed. I don't really know if he'll even get rotation minutes this year, but he is, I mean, well, he just turned 19 years old. We're talking about right. Cam Whitmore here. Yeah. Um, he could have messed around. Summer League MVP. Yeah, Summer League MVP. He could have messed around and been the fifth pick in the draft, but, you know, they had medical issues and who knows. But he fell to 20. I'm thankful he fell to 20. You know, he's an insane talent, um, and he, he has a lot of upside. But this Houston yeah. team that they're trying to come in and trying to win right away. And again, um, if you look at that rotation, you try to construct a minute by minute um, rotation based on the guys that they have on the roster. It's kind of hard to find minutes for. Them. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to see and I'm interested to see what Ime Udoka does. I don't know how many minutes he'll get next year, but he might be a guy who sees a lot of G League time. But again, he's 19. We look three, four years from now. This guy could be a star. I mean, we see the shot creation. Mm-hmm. Um, his ability to get to the paint, he's 235, 6'7", so he can bully somebody, get his bucket off at the rim. He's a really good cutter. So he fits off rip with a guy like Alperen Shangun really, really well. That's the way he can get his minutes. He plays really good defense, mm-hmm. and he's doing all the right things out, uh, off the ball. But from a star perspective, he can create his own bucket. Um, he can hit the three, get to the paint. Mm-hmm. He, he's a killer. He's got that killer mentality too. So I think he has a ton of upside. But uh, if we're going to be talking about this Rockets team, a lot of mouths to feed. He'd have to really be like that to kind of just insert himself as the three, the starting three, especially when they have Dylan Brooks locked in for the next four years. Mm-hmm. And I think probably the concern with Whitmore, like you said, he's 19. Some of the players in the league, you know, Keegan Murray's 23 now. Yeah. Who knows what he was like at 19? This guy's going to come in. I think he's immediately going to be one of those too good for the G League, not quite good enough. You know, a couple of defensive mistakes here and there, not quite responding to players like Alpie, Fred Van Vliet, Armen, when they're on that sort of really high IQ level. So one of the concerns might be his playmaking. Uh, he was a sub, one assist guy at Villanova, I believe. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you can just see the guy that everyone sort of grows up. If you make the NBA, you've been the best player on your team forever. But you can tell that someone with his athleticism that could just get down in transition like a freight train there was never really a need to pass the ball and he's really focused on developing his skills on breaking down a uh, defender one-on-one. Hopefully that vision comes and he can at least be a sort of connective guy, but I a hundred percent agree. I've been really impressed with his shooting off the catch. He can get to his shot off the dribble. I think the dribbling looks a little bit clunky for now, sort of like he's been in the lab, but it's not necessarily been sort of in game and he played a, a slightly smaller role at Villanova as well. But I think the best thing he could have this year is a really expanded role in the G League. Just free flow experiment. Don't worry about winning or losing and look to get your teammates involved. And last thing, Summer League, 
his athleticism just jumped out the gym. He's one of these guys that cocks it back with two hands whenever he can, and he's just going to be baptizing people below the rim. Uh, but yeah, a really destructive defender as, as well. I think he was at sort of three, four steals a game and around three blocks during summer league. So let's see if that translates. If he can be destructive in the NBA and get that high efficiency offense like Tari can, then Houston's going to be really, really fun to watch. And you're just going to be out in transition half the time that you're on the floor. Yeah, I want to say this about Cam. 19 assists in 26 games at Villanova. So yeah, sub sub one assist guy, but he was passing the ball relatively well outside of that first game when it was obvious he had some tunnel vision. But you could tell the folks probably talked to him a little bit, and the passing looked a little a little better in my opinion. Great connected passing, and um, again at Villanova shot forty percent on catch and shoot three. So I'm excited to see what what he can bring to Houston again if he's locked in on defense and he he's scrappy, he's getting offense rebounds, cutting at the right times. So that's how he's going to earn minutes, and then he can start to work towards that stardom because again he's 19. He's going to be good. He's going to be good. High, high ceiling player, definitely, because if he puts it together in that body with that athleticism, then it's not quite a sky's the limit guy, but you're going to be scared facing Cam Whitmore. So, mm -hmm. Brad, before I go any further, I want you to promise to stay on the podcast till the end, because I think my guy at number six, don't know if it's going to offend you a little bit. I know who I you're going to say. Shock yeah. You, you yeah. know who I'm going to say. Go ahead and say. Been, What's the reason? You've been celebrating his birthday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah the turkish goat already so i've got alpi at number six i know he came on the pod he seemed like a lovely guy and he is one of the most fun players to watch in the league straight up right mm -hmm. we'll absolutely get that out of the way playmaking wise he's at a really really high level already it's flashy i mean the baby Jokic comparisons are fantastic i i, I wouldn't dispute them especially some of the angles that he gets the passes off he's thrown real disguised passes and he's a good post scorer as well so i'm leading with the positive stuff right you've you've heard me i'm a fan of this man's game offensively fantastic but i'm a real fan of it from 10 feet in uh i'm just i'm worried about the shot long term i'm worried about him spacing from outside and potentially hitting the mid-range he likes to do this little sort of push shot and i don't know if that translates i mean when we look at the impact of Jokic on the offensive end and running an entire team through him. You've got to remember that this is one of the best big man shooters of all time. So if you choose to sag off him, then he's going to punish you. If you choose to play tight, he's finding the passing lanes. I'm worried that a player like Shengun, as crafty as he is and as intelligent as he is, without that athletic burst and without that shot making from the mid range and from deep, is he going to be a little bit easier to game plan for? And are you actually going to be able to run your offense through him? I'm not sure. And then defensively, I think it's probably harsh to judge him now. There's rumors that he's grown from 6'9 to 6'11. I don't know if you guys asked about that on the pod. It's we not did, quite... and we, we asked about that, and he confirmed yeah. that he's grown he from 6'9 to now 6'11. So. All right, that's big. That's big. It's not quite the Jonathan Kaminga, Kendrick Perkins, uh, Kaminga's seven foot two now, if you remember that from earlier in the offseason. Yeah, but... He was mistaken. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a bit, just a bit. If he, um, yeah, if he can be a better rim protector in the next couple of years, then 100% he's got the offensive value to be a starting <laughs> player and to be played through. But I'm just worried personally that a lack of athleticism combined with a little lack of defensive presence and a, a questionable shot for now. Is he going to be a guy that supercharges second units long term while you have more of a defensive anchor playing with the starting units and closing? 
Okay, that's a valid. Um, I get what you're saying when it when it comes to Alfred Shangun, and I want to go in depth on him when I get up, when I get to him on my list. It'll be a little bit higher up, but when it when it comes to Alfred Shangun, um, I'll, again, I'll say my reasoning. I have I have confidence in some of the concerns that you have, and I'll have some stats to back those up. So I'm excited to get into those. But again, the defense. I think I'll, I'll talk about the defense right now, and then pause this when I get to him. The defense has been an issue, and coming from Turkey, he never in his life had played drop coverage before. He didn't, he didn't know what it was. So with Steven Silas, that's all he was playing was drop, 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 drop. Mm-hmm. One thing with Ime Udoka, he doesn't he doesn't have a specific system on offense or defense. He wants to play the player's strength. So he's like, he even said in his introductory press conference, I'm not going to have Al P sitting here in drop coverage if that's not his his specialty. So we're going to find some ways to, to hide him. Of course, we're going to have to improve him too. But mm-hmm. – yeah, Alper Shangu, he's not the worst defender in the world. 70 blocks, 70 steals last year. One of three players to do that. Um, again, that's not the that's not the definition of defense, steals and blocks. He's, he's got to be better as a whole, but he's got some potential on that end. He'll, he'll never just be like elite, but if he can just be average or good, then he's doing his job. Yeah, you've definitely got the players for him to sort of play hedge in the pick and roll, and then Jabari can probably come in from the weak side and offer that shot blocking quite like the Celtics had in their front court under Ime. You know, Rob Williams was stationed out in the corner to great effects and you had Al, that sort of switch big. How Al Horford still switches at 36, 37 years old and guards players on the perimeter, I don't know. The man must have the fountain of youth in his garden or something along those lines. But there's definitely defensive coverages that can hide Shengun and sort of maximize him on the other end of the floor but exciting time so who have you got at number five Brad? All right number five is the guy that you had at number seven uh, Kevin Porter Jr. Again I'll give a quick rundown because I gave a rundown on him but again uh, 6'6 with a 6'9 wingspan very big guy I just think um, for this Rockets team again I'd probably put him seven but mm-hmm. start upside wise if you're just looking at the, the the tools that he has we had Ryan Hollins on our podcast you can go listen to what he said he said and I personally don't believe this. But he said KPJ had a top 10 skill set in the NBA. And it sounds really ridiculous, I know. But his reasoning was he can break you down. He can get to the paint. Mm-hmm. He can create his own shot. He can shoot the three at an elite level. And he can finish at a really good level as well. Um, the finishing has to improve. I don't think he's finished at a really, really good uh, level just yet. He's working on his floor right now. But... I mean, look, again, if the defense um, comes together, and I think it really will because he's had the task of guarding the best player on the other team, and now the Rockets has brought in a whole bunch of defensive specialists, uh, guys like Dylan Brooks, Tar Easton is going to be guarding some guys, uh, Jabari Smith Jr., Fred Van Fleet, um, really gritty defender. He can, I mean, he's not the best defender, but he's really, really, really gritty. So, I mean, they have a lot of guys that can throw people now, so KPJ is going to be kind of chilling, um, but he's going to be locked in with a coach like he made though. So I think – that as a whole is going to change his mindset, and we'll, we'll see him used a lot differently. He's not going to be used as a, as a point guard, which kind of really messed him up. He looked better his first year when he came to Houston. He didn't have that point guard mindset. He was just out there hooping. That's how he messed around and had 50 points, 11 uh, assists, and nine threes on Drew Drew Holiday um, in the Milwaukee Bucks. Like You don't just go out there and drop that many points on Drew Holiday because Drew Holiday is one of the best defenders if not the best point guard perimeter uh, defender in the NBA so KP mm-hmm. the talent is there uh Ime Udoka I think he's going to change the perception of Kevin Porter Jr.'s upcoming season and um I don't know if they'll be able to keep him long term but I could see him going to another team um and being that that kind of guy who could be a star and the last thing I want to say about Kevin um the main discourse around him again is his um off-court issues he's had issues at USC in Cleveland 
he came to Houston. He he had that thing that everyone loves to talk about. Yeah, he left that halftime. That happened in 2021. We are in 2023. Uh, I want people to realize people can grow as as people. And he has not had an incident off court since then. And there's a reason you'll see him at press conferences with, with the new coach. He's doing things that other guys on the team aren't doing. Um, and it's not because he's trying to save face. He's just genuinely a good person. Um, and people will realize it soon. Again, it's hard to, to shake bad narratives. And he's going to have that narrative following him that he had a bad reputation again, college, Cleveland. And he left the locker room in Houston, his, his second year here. But <clears throat> Kevin, he's been he's been a poster child since then. And he's going to continue to be. And, and, and people will see that soon. And I, I think you saw that a bit last year, post All-Star break. You know, it would be very easy for a young team under a coach they probably knew wasn't going to be there next year to really throw the towel in, especially when you're going for a high draft pick. I think post All-Star, the Rockets went 8-11, and 11, playing some decent teams. It wasn't the easiest schedule. So to be one of the leaders of the team on a very, very young roster and be able to keep the professionalism high definitely shows some development in terms of his attitude. And I wouldn't be worried about that going forward. You know, if this is a guy that wants to make it in the league, he's got that uh, unique contract where he's non-guaranteed every year. If Kevin yeah. Porter Jr. has a year where he's got a bad attitude problem and he's causing problems with the team, he's going to be looking for a new team in the next season. So he knows he's got to keep it on the straight and narrow. And I, I wouldn't worry about it. Fingers crossed we just see the best of him. So... Uh, my number five was Cam Whitmore. I think that we've we've covered Cam. We know what he's going to be next year. So let's get on to fours. At four, I had Tari. So I'm just a little bit higher on him potentially being able to develop that self-creation. I think if the handle comes along, this is a guy that is just going to be able to, one, terrorize in transition, two, attack closeouts, and three, maybe I've just got infatuated with the pick and roll stuff that I saw during summer league, but he definitely ran some. And there were a couple of really nice shifty reads where he collapsed the paint and he'd do one of those nice little dump off passes on the interior for an easy bucket. If this is a guy that has playmaking feel along with those physical tools and a reliable jumper, he's going to be a high end player on both ends of the floor. And I'm not going to say Sean Marion. I think that's like the high, high, high level of player that Tari can reach, but he's going to be one of these two-way impact wings that you trade three first-round picks for if he can put it together on the offensive end. So he was my number four player. Who did you have at number four? Number four, I had the number three pick from last year's draft, Jabari Smith Jr., a guy who initially I thought had a really good four and was the best fit for the Rockets before the draft. I was a Ben Carroll guy personally. But when they got Jabari, I was like, okay, he's a good plug. Really good defender. Very versatile at 6'11 with a 7'2 wingspan. He could shoot. He's trying to elite weight in, in, in college. 57% on uncontested catch shoot three. So I was excited for him to come in and knock down a lot of threes. But last season, you'll check the you'll check the stats and see he shot like 30.8% from three. And Let's not. Let's not My let's idea. not look at the true shooting percentage or anything like that. He yeah. had a really rough rookie year. You know, Stephen not necessarily running plays for him, yeah. reduced to a spot up role. Yeah. Real baptism of fire coming into the NBA as one of the youngest players in the league as well. So I think he, I think it's going to be beneficial for him in the long run. But yeah, Brad, number four, fair enough. Where do you see his ceiling in the next few years? What are you hoping that he can develop into for this this Houston Rockets team? Yeah, and that's one thing that I really worried about um, that I'm about to touch on in his rookie season, his ability to create for himself and for others. Um, he didn't create a lot of separation in college, and he kind of saw that when he first came to Houston. But towards the end of the season, despite the shot struggles, I'm higher on his, I'm like, 
I won't even talk about summer league. I, I was higher at the end of the season on his ceiling than I was at the beginning of the season, just because he was starting to create for himself a lot more. He was making plays off the dribble. Um, he had a really good game against the Knicks where he had around six, seven assists, and he was making some really impressive reads. He was getting buckets off the dribble. And stat sheet won't look crazy. It might be like 1976 that game. But if you watch that game, you're like, wow, this is Jabari Smith Jr. Like, this is not the guy I just scouted in college. And again, one of the youngest players in the NBA. So if he's able to do those kind of things, uh, again, that jump shot will come together. I'm not worried about that jump shot at all. That jump shot he comes in, he gets a lot of muscle on him. He's going to be guarding one through five. He could be an issue. He could be an issue. I don't know about, you know, superstar potential, but he's one of those guys that's like, oh, like, that's a perfect plug. He's starting on every single team in the NBA just because he's that kind of player. I don't know if he's a guy who can just force feed, force feed, force feed, go give me 30 points a game, 25 points a game. But at his ceiling, I can see like like 22 and like eight, you know, maybe two, 2.5 stocks a game, you know, something, something like that. Um, but he, he's going to be a really good player. I'm excited for him. I'm excited for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's going to have to crash the boards as well. I think he was really good in his first season, 7.2 per game, which as a rookie coming in, that's pretty impressive when you're playing the four. But Jabari was my number three. I think it's pretty clear that there's sort of a top two in terms of star potential for Houston. I'm really interested to see how you've got those guys ordered. But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I think for Smith, if the shot comes together, then yeah, he's got a 10, 15 year NBA career. I remember listening to stuff pre-draft where people that were avid about college just said, this is a 20,000 point player when his career is done. He's going to hit that mark. We trust his jumper. And he's had really rough point guard play in his last season at college and his first season at Houston. Like you said, KPJ, not necessarily a natural point guard, got the assist numbers up last year, but high turnovers, not necessarily the best feel i'm really looking forward to seeing him play next to amen thompson next to fred van vliet next to alpi in an increased role and just having stuff made easy for him i think a lot of players in the nba talk about getting in a rhythm getting in a flow and for jabari going from being probably having the most shot attempts on the team in his last year at college to being that spot up guy who's getting two three shots a quarter it's tough it's tough, especially when you're not getting to the line. So I think this season will tell us a lot about Jabari Smith. And like you said, he started to pass the eye test a little bit more. He looks a bit more fluid. That 6-10 frame, it's going to be hard to sort of break guys down off the dribble. So he's a little bit more of a long-term project. I think defensively, if he can make an impact this year, then that will make him a positive starter. But to me, this Houston team is all about reps this year. You've got the adults in the room. You've got a coach that you know that you're going to have there long term. It's just going to be about development. So I just want to see Jabari experimenting. I want to see him having nights where he's getting 15 to 20 shots up, self-creation. And then we'll really have a feel for what this guy's ceiling is. But yeah, like I said, he was my number three. I think you had him at number four, which means, Brad, who did you have at number three? I reckon I might have already mentioned him. Yeah, he did. Uh, the yeah. guy you had number six, Alperin Shangun. So I'll say this about Alperin Shangun. Um, and I'll touch on some of the concerns that you had. Um, you know, mm-hmm. touch-wise, I think Alperin Shangun has really good touch. And one thing I like to do with foreign players, because a lot of those guys aren't really shooting threes like that overseas, but I look at their free throw shooting. Alperin Shangun shot 81.8% from the free throw line his last year in Turkey when he won t- Turkish MVP. So off rip, when I was scouting him, I was like, okay, maybe he can develop that three-point shot. His first year in the league, he was shooting a lot more threes. Only shot around 24.7%, I think, from three. 
But fast forward to last year, he didn't shoot a lot. Coach Salah said, hey, I don't want you shooting these threes. He shot 36% on catch and shoot threes. And you can tell sometimes he's hesitated, but when he's shooting them with confidence, he has a good-looking stroke. If you go back and look at his jump shot, it's not ugly. You go, okay, that's, that's, a, that's a good jumper. Some guys you can see shooting, you're like, oh, I don't need him shooting any more threes. But Shangun, he said his main focus is offseason was shooting threes. He wants to get those attempts up. He's going to have a coach that's going to be encouraging him to shoot threes. So I think actually uh, by the time well, he just turned 21, that's so crazy. By the time he's 25, I see him being a guy who's going to be taking maybe four threes a game. He's going to be hitting the neck a little bit, maybe 35 as a floor. Or maybe, you know, 33, 35 or higher, depending on, you know, the kind of looks that he's getting. But I think that jumper, it, it'll come in. Uh, Touch-wise, I like his touch, a little shot put that he has. He didn't have it at the beginning of the season, but it really came along out of nowhere. And he's using it for counters. He can fake the shot put and throw a lob, and he's just throwing defenders off. He has that slow-paced game. Uh, again, I won't compare him to say, I'll say, oh, he's uh, Nikola Jokic. But I think he, in his ceiling, will fall in between a Sabonis and a Nikola Jokic. I think he's he's going to be better than Sabonis. He has more of a bag. Okay. He has, in my opinion, he has more of a bag offensively right. than Sabonis. I've, I've watched Sabonis, and he does not have the, the wiggle that Shangun has, the vision that Shangun has. Um, again, the Rockets were way better when they just ran the offense through him. They played AU ball the whole season. And if they just ran through Opera Shangun, it looked way better. And he had a stretch where he was averaging like seven assists a game, and they were looking insane. So with a coach with Ime Udoka, He's going to utilize him a lot more. He can get whatever he wants in the post. So they'll have to double because he's like that in the post. And now he's 6'11". So I do think he's a guy you can ultimately run through. And it's going to help when that three ball comes in at a higher volume. So if that three ball comes in, um, again, he's already, if you watch his game, it's hilarious. He doesn't shoot threes, but he'll pump fake all the time from three. And then it starts to drive. <laughs> but and it's the way it works. It works. He has a really good pump fake. But when that three ball is falling, when you, when you have a slow, methodical game like that and you kind of see everything on the court and you have counters for your main moves, I mean, you, nothing you can really do. So, again, defense is going to be the main thing with him. But from a star perspective, I could easily see him being an all-star the second the Rockets are like a four seed just because he'll, he'll be that good and he'll be utilized as that main guy on offense. He, he, he's, he, he has the best vision on the Rockets. Fred Van Fleet will be a better – Facilitator just to run the road the offense through uh, right now. But Alper Shangun, vision wise, um, drawing doubles. Oh, he's got it all. Oh, he, he has some sneaky bunnies, so he'll, he'll yam on you. If you're, <laughs> if you're not he had that one against Charlotte, didn't he? At the start of yeah, the season, it, it, where he just comes hurt. closing in out of nowhere. And it's like, I did not know that this man had that in, in his game. But yeah, with Shengun, 100%. I hope you're right, because the NBA will be a better place if Alperin Shengun is an all-star. He's got one of the most fun games to watch. And I think it's important. We spoke about how he's actually physically grown. It's going to be important to see how his body develops over the next few years in terms of putting that weight on as well, because I think he got pushed around a little bit last year. Like we said, only 21. If his frame can fill out and he can really embrace that bully ball as well as the sort of silky post moves then he's going to be a hard, hard player to guard in the post. And yeah, when it comes to the shooting, I think all you want to avoid is that Sabonis treatment that he had in the series against the Warriors. If you leave him open from mid-range, if you leave him open from three, if he can punish, then 100%. He is an absolute problem. I hope you're right. You've convinced me somewhat. I, I don't know where he'd be. If we started the podcast now, maybe I'd be trying to save a bit of face. But yeah, let's see. Is he a high-end bench guy? Is he an all-star? Hopefully he's better than Sponis. That would just be fantastic. So 
that was your number three. Like I said, I had Jabari. So we're on to top twos now. And I'll go first. Uh, I've got Jalen Green as my number two. Uh, I'll get on to our men in due course. But just for me, Jalen, hyper-athletic, got an absolute bag in terms of moves, can get to his shot off the dribble, can shoot off the catch. Uh, The thing that worries me is, one, kind of like Jabari, kind of like Tari, kind of like Cam, the Rockets have got a lot of players that can get to their shot, that can break guys down off the dribble. I just wonder about the playmaking. I think he was at about 3.7 assists per game last year. The turnovers wasn't negative, but it was sort of floating around that three mark as well. And I looked, he didn't register a 10 assist game last year. He got up towards the nines. uh, But then you look at the turnover stats and it's sort of seven, sixes, fives dotted around. So for me, in terms of looking at offensive stars in this league, they've got to be able to playmake. Jalen Brown's just been handed out the biggest contract in NBA history, but this isn't a guy that's sort of making advanced reads in the pick and roll. He's only ever going to be a second banana. So for me, Jalen has got to develop that playmaking over the next couple of years, hopefully getting Fred in the room, getting Armen in the room and sort of feeding off them. We can see something like that. But I think if Alperen is this guy that you're going to build around, it's going to be all about their two-man game going forward. Uh, I really like what I saw when Jalen was being used later on in the season in that two-man game with Shengun. I think it was just a little bit easier than him having to break guys down off the dribble time and time again. I like how he can get his shot off off the catch. And if he can sort of replicate that Jamal Murray game with a little bit more athleticism, then that's going to be a fantastic thing for the Rockets. So he's my number two. There are worries defensively. That frame needs to get bigger. Um, I think he's got the willingness to defend and I think his feet are mobile. But once he gets into the playoffs, if he's a mismatch victim, he's going to get punished in the post. He's going to get pushed around for now. So defensively, there's a couple of concerns, but at least a really high level athlete, a high level scorer and a guy that can play off ball as well as on ball. So, Brad, what do you think? Have I misjudged Jalen Green or what's your opinion on him? A guy who gets into a lot of Jalen Green arguments on Twitter. I think you did a good job. You did a good job describing Jalen Green. I'll say this. I had him at number two as well, so I'll jump into my reasoning on that. I almost wanted to put him at number one. But one thing that people don't realize with Jalen Green, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll think of him and say, oh, like, oh, he's a he's a ball stopper, and he just chucks shots, terrible efficiency, no defense, and they'll, they'll leave it like that. But you really have to look at the context around Jalen Green. When you're playing on a team, that was last in three-point shooting. A lot of guys on the court, for the most part, two at a time, who aren't respected at the three-point line. And you're asked to create from three, create on pick and rolls, and get to the paint. There's no spacing to really do anything. There's no system there for any AAU ball, a lot of DHOs that will get blown up, and then you kind of have to create for yourself. So he's really forcing so many um, things on the offensive side of the ball, which kind of causes him to take bad shots and for his efficiency to be as poor as it was. So it's 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 very evident in my opinion that he's going to take a huge leap this upcoming season with the, the addition of the new players and the new coach who's going to know how to utilize them. So Jalen Green again, I'm not concerned with the efficiency. I'm not concerned with the defense right now. He came into the league at 178. Now he's around 195. Um, again, he just turned 21 in February. When he bulks up again, these players are so young. Let's see, he's 25 again. When he gets to 25, he'll, he'll have a good frame on him. He'll be able mm-hmm. to defend. A lot of these guys just, again, playing with, with that Steven Silas, 
led team. They just weren't locked in defensively. It's not that they have bad defensive frames. Now, Upper Shane Goon's a different story. That's a guy who's all right. He just needs to have really good IQ on the defensive end. But guys like Kevin, who people have been concerned with, guys like Jalen Green, they have athletic, extremely athletic players. They can be good defenders. They just got to lock in. And for Jalen specifically, he's got to gain some weight. So I'm not concerned with Jalen defensively. I will say as a playmaker, he went from 2.6 assists to 3.7 assists, I believe. 3.7, you were right. Uh, 2.6, I was guessing there, but that sounds about right to me. He improved there um, in the pick and roll. I thought he made a lot better reads. Um, he had a really good game with two uh, Alperin Shane Goon. And, and again, it's hard to judge when, you, when you're watching him operate on, on a team with terribly spaced. But I, I saw improvements there, and I think we'll continue to see improvements in that regard as well. But the scoring leap that we're about to see, Jack, with the new yep. system and some more players that can shoot, I'm telling you, Jalen, he's going to surprise a lot of people. That losing play, he's a losing player and all that stuff, it's going to be hilarious. Watch. 100%. The guy is was a 20-year-old first option. How many of those are in the league? How many of those guys are facing that coverage while Devin playing Booker. for a poorly spaced team? It, it doesn't happen. So how about we have a little bet? You've you spoke about scoring leap. Do you want to give me a little over-under in terms of maybe points per game next season? True shooting, you, you set it. I don't know. What what are you projecting? So I really have to see his hierarchy. Um, it, it's tough to really judge it until I know what the coach is really going to implement. Um, okay. I can't sit up here and say uh, 25 points, um, 57 true shooting percentage. I don't know. But I have to see what this coach is going to be doing with these players. I don't know if Dylan Brooks is going to be taking all these shots. I don't know how they're going to run the team. If I had the, if it was envisioned the way I plan it, run heavy through Fred Van Fleet, uh, Alperen Shangoon and Armin Thompson, I think Jalen Green can mess around and give you 25. I would say 25. I'm looking at third year shooting guards. You can look at Devin Booker. You can look at Anthony Edwards. They all took that leap around the 25 point range their third year. And Jalen Green being in a way better situation, going from 17 to 22. I think he can easily hit 25 next year if, they, if they're using the way I think. At least, again, I don't know how they're going to use him, but yeah. um, he, he's going to be like that. And the other thing that indicates that Jalen's got really good upside as a scorer long term is his ability to get to the free throw line. I don't know how many 20 year olds get to the free throw line six times a game, but that was him last year. Uh, I looked, he had 14 games at least where he got to the line 10 times. And in terms of the premier scorers in the league, it's the guys that can get to the charity stripe, get in rhythm and just get those, get their team, those easy buckets. So if Jalen can continue to do that, he's got a lovely finishing package around the rim as well. He's really showy. Uh, I honestly think that the league and Twitter would be higher on him if he had a better dunk contest performance. I think that had a lot of people down on him in the first year when he brought out that NFT. It was like, oh, I don't know about this Jalen Green, man. If he could just do that over, if he could just, you know, Go a little bit more showy, a couple of East Bays, whatever, cock it back, sort of really show off that athleticism. I think that, you know, you'd probably be having a lot less arguments on NBA Twitter. But yeah, let's see. I think it comes down to the playmaking. Uh, really excited to watch Jalen this year. And another guy where there's just no concerns about his attitude. Uh, I think I've already seen he's been awarded uh, gym rat of the offseason. He's just been posting constant. This is a guy in runs. This is a guy in making. Uh, pull up threes against KD. The confidence is certainly there. And I think the love for the game is there. And that's that's the most important thing at the end of the day. So yeah, fingers crossed. Maybe we've done him a little bit dirty, putting him at number two. But I'm in love with Hamen Thompson. Uh, I'm going to let you take the floor because I 
waffled on about Jalen Green for about five minutes. So tell me, what was your reaction draft night when he fell? Uh, I think he was sort of projected there for a little while. There was talk of maybe trading up for Scoot. I think it's probably good that you didn't do that. This is a, I'm just going to get into a sort of a rant, a soliloquy about how much I love Amen Thompson. But you tell me, what are your thoughts, Brad? What's he going to be? Why is he the number one guy that can turn into a star for this Houston Rockets team? Yeah, I I pretty much have Amon Thompson at one. And I'll I'll start off with the reaction. We had a big party, the Houston Rockets threw a party, had everyone come down. And I was, all right, they're going Amon Thompson at four. I feel like the three up top is set. So when they got Amon, I'm very excited because, one, you get a guy with a 6'7", 6'7", at the point guard position. The Rockets said he came in for his draft workout, and he looked like the best athlete they've ever seen. I mean, he's mm-hmm. coming to the NBA as a top 1% athlete, seven-foot wingspan, perfect attitude. Um, just like a like a poster child. Like, you, you can't hate him. It's like everything he says is perfect. Like, he's like a he's like a machine almost. It's like, yeah. <laughs> he, he's, yeah. just, he's just that perfect guy who looks like the face of a franchise. And he, his upside is, is through the roof. He could be a guy that's an elite playmaker, an elite finisher, and an elite defender, and an elite leader as well. All those things at his prime. And that's with him being an elite athlete at 6'7 with a 7-foot wingspan. It's scary how good that guy can be, especially with the work ethic that he has. There was a concern that he loved basketball too much. They said he slept in the overtime elite locker uh, to go to practice the next day. He would do stuff like that. He's watching film in his free time. You know, he's a student of the game. He's... He knows every single player in the league, like stuff like that. Like that man lives, loves, cares about basketball. Him and his twin, his twin brother. I'm specifically though, man, through the roof potential. I, I cannot wait. Um, he'll, he'll work on that jumper, you know, every single day. I know he is. Uh, the Rockets have a shooting guy, shooting coach they just hired named Ben Sullivan. Helped okay. Derek take his three point percentage from thirty point six percent to thirty eight point one percent. Um, I mean, he was a good—he was a good three-point shooter in San Antonio. Had a had a slump as soon as he got back with Ben Sullivan. That's when he got that increase back to thirty-eight point one percent. So, he's the guy that's going to be helping Houston's terrible three-point shooting team. Hopefully, he helps out Amin. And if Amin is able to ever ever hit like 34 percent, look at guys like De'Aaron Fox, uh, uh, SGA, really downhill guys. Um, yep. Amin's oh my goodness, he's going to be a problem. Um, me, yeah, perennial all star. Um, again, there's not much you can do with a, a six seven guy uh, at the point guard position. I think um, Scoot's the better prospect, right? But potential wise, again, like for everything I just named, he has the second highest ceiling in that draft class. Um, yeah, if he reaches his 10 out of 10 outcome, 100%, this is a guy that can be all NBA. This is a guy that is going to get spoken about as one of the, if not the top point guards in the league. So I'm going to jump in. I I can't hold myself any longer. Like you said, Scoot, probably a little bit of a better prospect. Just he gives me real Chris Paul vibes already because he's had those two seasons marshalling that G League Ignite team. We'll save that for another day. Scoot was the subject of my second podcast. I I loved him. I can't believe that Charlotte didn't take him. But um, I remember for me, I was a little bit worried just because he'd been playing in OTE. A guy that gets spoken about as an atomic athlete when he's playing against people that are one, two years younger, not necessarily the most organized of schemes, I thought, all right, how many different prospects could have really shown out in this setting? But then we saw him in a half of summer league. And that for me is all it took. Uh, Watching Alan Thompson, I don't know if you're a PlayStation or an Xbox guy, but I'm a PlayStation guy. 
And uh, PlayStation 2, when you use the analog sticks, you used to only be able to move in eight directions. It was sort of, uh, you know, points of the compass. And then the PlayStation 3 came out and you had 360 movement. And for me, watching Amen Thompson against everyone else, it was like watching a guy go from PS2 to PS3. This guy is so jittery. He has an insanely explosive first step. And I was just shocked at how quickly he could move backwards, sideways, diagonally. I, I'd hate to guard him. I mean, I'm six foot two and I've got legs slower than, I don't know, probably Larry Bird now, post-back problems. I, I've got no chance, but I just watch him and I think, how the hell do you stop him? He's got access to every single area of the court. He's a really, really strong finisher around the rim. I see him being a guy that embraces contact at his size with his frame. He's just going to be able to yam down on guys. And like you said, it all comes down to the shot. But the thing that really separates him from other hyper athletes, aside from the fluidity of movement, is it's a 20-year-old guy. I might have the wrong 20. 20, correct. Probably, I mean, I think he's got a better playmaking field than Scoop, personally. Mm-hmm. Some of the reads that he was finding, I think that's partly down to the chemistry that he had with Alsar last year. They used to throw about three lobs to each other a game. Uh, but... I'm just really, really impressed at a guy that definitely faced difficult coverages due to the fact that he couldn't space from outside, how confident he was hitting skip passes to the other corner. He was throwing them with disguise. He was throwing them with his right hand, with his left hand, and the speed of delivery. It's just going to give so many players so many easy buckets. And like you said, if it was Ben Sullivan, you said, the new shooting coach for the Houston Rockets, yes, that guy could be in line for a Fred Van Vliet style contract if he can fix Amen's jumper because if he unlocks that ceiling the sky is the absolute limit and we've only spoken about that on the offensive end we saw Al Saar he had a much longer run in the summer league uh, and just an absolute stat stuffer a guy that's going to be able to pull rebounds down going to be able to grab and go and I'm comparing them I know they're slightly different players but I just think with his frame He's just going to be a guy that dominates in every single area. He's going to be a steel merchant. He's going to be able to come for, you know, weak side blocks, everything like that. I can see him switching at least one through three. Don't know about one through four. He might get sort of punished. But as that, um, as his body develops, he's just going to be one of the most exciting players to watch in the league by far. I think he offers Houston so much versatility defensively. You can run Jalen Green as your smallest player. And that is a guy that is six foot four with lanky arms. Uh, how many teams can say that? How many rebuilding teams can say that? You see teams like San Antonio, like Orlando, like the Thunder, they draft for size, they draft for length. But what I'm really impressed with this Houston team is that they've drafted for upside, but they've also got that length and they've got that one-on-one skill. There isn't going to be a single player starting next year, particularly if Jabari can really develop, that can't get to his own shot one-on-one. So yeah, I can't wait to watch Thompson. They're going to be so high up on people's league pass rankings. And I think that they're really going to surprise people. And even if the record doesn't reflect it next season, you've got one of the best young calls in the league. We've concluded that we've got Amen as our number one guy who could turn into a star. It all hinges on that shot. But even if, even if that doesn't come round, the way he's able to impact the game, he's going to be a starter. He's going to be a high level player. He's got that playmaking feel. I just, I love Thompson. I really love the Rockets young core. And Brad, any, any closing thoughts on these guys? What are going to be some of the key things that you look out for this year? What I'm looking out for this year, again, Rockets are going from AAU basketball to actually having a coach, a guy who is regarded as a top five coach in the NBA. So I am excited for these young guys to not have any more excuses. They're coming in with a new system with new vets 
and a win now mentality. We've gone from 17 wins to 20 to 22. Um, and now they're going to go for the playoffs. Ume Udoka said he's never missed the playoffs in his life. He does not expect that to change. Sounds crazy to everybody else. But hey, mm-hmm. if he has the system in place um, and they're able to fix the spacing issues um, and they, they become a better team defensively, I think right now my biggest concern is interior defense and the spacing. But if they're able to fix that spacing issue and the defense is, is better, they could mess around and it might not happen. They, they could mess around and be a playing team. And that, that I would love to see that. But I'm, what I'm looking for, again, um, with these players, Jalen Green taking that leap efficiency-wise defensively. Kevin Porter Jr. used way more as a catch-and-shoot guy. Only took two attempts last year, and he's one of the best three-point shooters in the game. He's only taken two catch-and-shoot attempts. That's he's up to five. He, he's going to be terrorizing teams. You got a guy like uh, Armin Thompson. He's going to come in and do everything. Uh, Fred Van Fleet is going to keep the turnovers down for this team. Javari Smith Jr., shooting is going to be better. Tyra Eason, shooting is going to be better. Extremely gritty. They got lineups that can throw together that are insane. So I'm just looking forward to having a team that is constructed to win games because the past three years, they were not constructed to win basketball games. So it'll be fun. I think the Rockets will be a league pass team. Um, I think they have the most athletic backcourt. Um, It sounds crazy, but Amin and Jalen, they're probably the most athletic backcourt in NBA history um, from from day one. And I've thought about this. I, I really cannot think of another one. That rivals it. Uh, people have said Scoot Henderson and Shane Sharp. I mean, that's the only one I can think of. And that's a really athletic one, too. But even then, Jalen Green, Amen, insane verticals, first steps. Mm. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I don't, I, I don't know why you've done that to me, Brad. It is 2 a.m. in the UK, and you're going to have me up for hours trying to think, is there a more athletic backcourt than Amen? than Jalen. All right. All right. You've saved me the thinking, but we'll see. We'll certainly see. I think for the Rockets next year, progress is just seeing the young guys develop. Yes, it's embarrassing giving OKC a high pick. They're in an absolute stacked Western Conference. I think that if the Rockets were a team in the East, 100% play-in opportunity is definitely on the horizon. The way that the playing sort of pans out for the Rockets this year, to me, is if you see some of those older teams, the Clippers, um, injury concerns like the pelicans for example maybe minnesota doesn't work out we know that portland's not in it if they have one or two guys go down injured the rockets have a young core they have little injury concerns and they've got a deep core as well they've brought in veterans uh i think that jeff green is going to be a great locker room guy and he's going to be a guy that fixes your spacing he's got an automatic corner three which we saw in the finals don't know how excited Rockets fans are to see Jeff Green suit up again, but he's definitely going to be beneficial, whether that's in the locker room or when he's actually out on the court. Um, if I had to bet, I don't think that they're making the play-in, but I think that they're going to make real strides. And it's all about that end goal. If they have a bad season record-wise this year, who cares? If you're setting yourself up to be a proper playoff contender and a team that can get to the Western finals, that can challenge for the finals, and that can just be a really, really tough matchup in the playoffs... That's where you want to be. So I think the Rockets can do that this year. I'm looking forward to seeing all of their young guys make major strides. I'm looking forward to seeing some defense played in Houston. Yes. I'm looking forward to seeing everyone committed, no one having nights off. Uh, it's going to be really exciting. And I think most importantly, it's just going to be good vibes. You could definitely accuse the Rockets of having some bad vibes over the past couple of years in between sort of a couple of players disappointing and just... Stephen Silas, let's just say it. he's gone now so we can say Stephen Silas, but it's going to be a good vibes team. They're going to have highlight reel after highlight reel. You're going to get a lot of 8 to 12 year old fans being Houston Rocket fans because of how exciting this young core is. And I'd be very excited to be 
in your shoes, Brad, covering the Houston Rockets over the next few years. I think you've got an exciting future in store. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Again, uh, people say, Brad, you've been covering this terrible Rockets team. You're going to just really love having a team that's trying to win games. So I'm excited to be covering, you know, highlight reel after highlight reel. And yeah. I think this team in, in, in some time can can really have a crazy future. If Amon Thompson, um, I mean, all the my top four guys, you know, Amon Thompson, Jalen Green, Alperin Shangun, and Jabari Smith Jr., if they become who I think they can become, and Tarisen. That team has a really good floor, um, especially when they get some age on them. So I see, you know, championship aspirations in the future. 28, 2028, I know it's a while, a while from now. It takes a while, especially in the Western Conference, it takes a minute. But yeah. I love the potential this team has. So I'm excited to see what they do in the future. Fingers crossed. Right. Before we get out of here, is there anything else you want to plug? Uh, we'll link all the socials in the bio and everything. But have you got anything planned with Will coming up in the next few weeks? Next few weeks, it's the off-season time. It's very, very dry. Uh, Will and I, we're working on our connections. Uh, fingers crossed we get a really big guest soon. No promises, but you know, be on the lookout. You may see one of your favorite players on the podcast. All right, nice. nice. That's going to be really exciting. Well, Brad, thanks for coming on. Thanks for making Drop Step History being our very first guest. I think we've had a really fun time, and I hope that you guys listening at home really enjoy the episode find brad on twitter find will as well he's great they've got great chemistry together on the pod and i'm looking forward to seeing who you have on let's call it there brad thanks so much for coming on guys thanks so much for listening this was episode eight of the drop step make sure to tune in next week for another episode we might be doing first in class we might be having some more guests on so it's really exciting i know that we're going into august i know that this is the absolute dead zone for nba content but i'm going to be trying my absolute best to get some quality stuff out to you subscribe to the podcast feed if you haven't already please drop us a five star rating if you have any friends that you think would like the podcast please share drop us a follow on twitter follow brad on all of his socials he's been great i've been really happy having him on but until next time have a great week and stay tuned for some more exciting content